make the voice of his praise to be heard. And that comes out of Psalm 66, 8. I'll do that again. You're right. That's our, that's our problem. Make the voice of his praise to be heard. And it says, Our Father, we thank thee for the day which is before us. Its light awoke us with gladness, and its evening shadows will beckon us to rest. It is an emblem of thy gift of life to us. For life is made up of joy and sorrows, like the clouds with the sun shining through, and of toils and responsibilities and hope, like the morning and, and memories glorifying all like the rays of the sunset. In other words, things are not just always one thing, Lord. It's a multitude of things, but he's with us. Help us to be grateful and worthy of thy gift, O Lord. We are thankful above all for this household of ours. Through its ministry, we better understand thee. What we are to our little ones, thou art to us. What we are to our little ones, thou art to us. And what our children are to us, we are to thee. When we think of it, love sweeps over, over us like the summer. And we know the joy of thy favor and feel the security of thy care. In parenthood, thou doest come close to us. And in childhood, we draw close to thee. Bless thou our children and all our loved ones. And make each one of us worthy of love and confidence, human and divine. We are sorry for the harsh word and the unkind act. Even as we are sorry for our own faults. We forgive one another. Do thou forgive us each one, O Father, for every indifference and sin against thee. Guard us and keep us today. Now, Father, I ask you to continue to show me the things you want me to see. So when I speak, Master, it will be only those things you want me to say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, everything that I have been hearing since... Okay, um, today's <laughs> message comes out of Titus 3, and we're going to climax Titus uh, with the, the verses starting at 8 through, 8 through 15. And, um, the, and this will be the, the end of Titus, <laughs> a very short book. Um, I'm thinking, I don't know for sure, but I'm thinking that we probably need to go to Corinthians. I think God wants the church to know who the church is so that we can act like the church. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to read and verse, beginning with verse 8. This is a faithful saying, and these things will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men, but avoid foolish questions of foolish disputes and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain, and another word for that is useless. Hmm. A man that is, that is an heretic after the first and second of uh, admonition reject so that means heretic another word for that is divisive okay a man that is divisive 
Now, after you have admonished him, that's what he's really saying for the first and second time, then reject him. Knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth or warped <laughs> and sinneth, being condemned of himself. Now, those verses, we only have a few verses, but they are powerfully packed with revelation. Okay. He says, when I shall send Artemis unto thee of Titius, be diligent to come unto me to Nicopolis, for I have determined there to winter. I have determined to stay there until winter. Bring Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their journey diligently that nothing be wanting unto them, that they're lacking nothing. When people are being sent to do missionary and evangelistic work from the church, it is the responsibility of the church that they take care of all of their needs. Okay? He says, uh, and let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses, that they be not unfruitful. And, and so for urgent needs. So that's the people in the congregation that we're to be concerned about urgent needs. Okay? Uh, all that are with me salute um, or greet them. Greet them that love us in the faith. <laughs> Grace be with you all. Amen. Well, let me read that again. All that are with me, salute them. That's the people who are in the ministry. Greet them that love us in the faith. That is the body of Christ. Because you can't love in faith if you're not a believer. Amen. And then he says, Grace be with you all. Amen. Okay, now verse 8 reflects the statement. Oh, you know what? I never did come up with a title. So let's just say part two, because <laughs> I, I, I didn't think of a title. I said, I'll come up with something afterwards, and it just dawned on me. I never even thought about the title after that. So let, let's make this part two, a justification by God's grace. Okay, all right, thank you. So verse 8 reflects the, state, the statement, this is a faithful say, saying, which starts out with verse 8. It reflects all of the sayings that were spoken and the beginning of uh, Titus, like from verses 3 through 7, okay? And, and, it is, and that is, salvation is not accomplished by works of righteousness. Salvation is not accomplished by works of righteousness because he's trying to let them know you've been given a gift okay now righteousness isn't who who we were or who we think we are but is who we have become okay which is after we were born again. See, we are not righteous until we come into the saving grace of Jesus Christ, no matter how high your morals may be, okay? You see, we, we can do good deeds from a moral conscience, but the results are temporarily, meaning they will make everyone happy and maybe comfortable. That depends on the deed for a tie, okay? Works done 
through righteousness are empowered by the Holy Ghost. Because we are in Christ, what we do for others is through Christ, the Holy Spirit, who inspires us, who enables us, who equips us, who empowers us to do what is necessary to do. Okay? And the result of that is lives are changed. Amen? A, a living, perfect example of what I'm talking about was when Oprah first started her show, and I used to watch it diligently, how she would give away free stuff to people, and she was uh, just, I, I know everybody thought, just a wonderful blessing to so many people. And she may have given off a false evidence that she was saved because she had these inspirational conversations that if you didn't know who you were, you would believe the lie, okay? And so one day I was thinking, wow, what a waste. She's giving away cars. She's giving away all of this stuff, and she's still going to hell. So what she profits from that is going to be, oh, thank you. Oh. She has gotten all of her accolades and everything else right now. She will not reap anything for that in eternity of heaven. <laughs> you, you, you see what I mean? So that's the difference between doing works than operating out of a righteous spirit that is being led by the Holy Spirit. Amen? So this is what Paul is telling. He's trying to wrap all of this up that that, that they will be confirmed constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. So, uh, like I said, works done through righteousness are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And as a result, lives are changed. Righteous deeds, another word for it is called ministry. Moral acts are just acts, okay? Because our motivation determines the results. So well, how are you being motivated? Because generally when we do things out of morality, it's mostly selfish motivation because it makes you feel good to do something for somebody, okay? Or what are you expecting in return? You know, uh, that name it, claim it stuff messed up people because they felt like they had to, to name and claim some stuff, and they did stuff because they wanted to get 30, 60, 100 for return. See, that's what messes us up. When we don't know the Bible for ourselves and we just sit up and listen to people preach and teach and you don't check and read for yourself to find out because the scripture that they came out of that they're using uh, about planting these seeds and getting 30, 60, 100 fold return has nothing to do with monetary gain or money. It has everything to do with love, faith, and joy. So when you deposit love into another individual, when you do things of righteousness to other individuals, it says it comes back to you based on your faith 30, 60, or 100 fold. Okay, so they feel like 
they were planting in order to get. See, when you're doing it out of a righteous spirit, you are planting without even recognizing you planted. Because you're not motivated by what you're going to receive. You're motivated by, are they going to see Jesus Christ? Will they be awakened out of their blindness, out of their dead state, and come into the knowledge of who Jesus really is? which makes and motivates you more to step out of your comfort zone to do what you, what you, know you need to do to help others, like I said. But by the Holy Spirit, our motivation is all, always point to God. We're doing things to please God. That should be the motivating factor, to please God. Amen? When, when these point to God, this is the results. Life, joy, peace, and light shows up, and people are changed. Amen? You, by a righteous deed, have either planted godly seeds for another to come in water, and God will bring the increase, or you may see the increase. There's times when you've done something and it opened the door that the people really want to know and hear and understand and you get an opportunity to minister to them about Jesus and they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There are some times that somebody else has watered that, you planted a new seed and then God brought the increase. And there's times when you planted new seeds and then God sends somebody else to water those seeds and then he brings the increase. It's never in vain. It may seem like that because you're not, maybe because you're not seeing it right away, but it's never, nothing we do for God is in vain. And only what we do for God will last. Amen. Our righteous deeds point to God who saves by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost by the washing of regeneration. You see, when we come into Jesus Christ through salvation, you, this is why I keep saying, see, my heart is in discipleship. I don't have the gift of evangelism, but I do have the gift of discipleship. So I'm going to be on you like a bulldog on a bone. And I'm not going to give up until God tells me, let it go, Lois. Okay. Because... Salvation just got you through the door. In order for you to stay behind that door and grow, you have to be discipled into Christ. Amen? And so, because Jesus says, I'm washing you to regenerate you, to change you from the old to become like me. And also, I want your mindset, the views you previously had before Christ, I want them eradicated, and I want you to have a new view, a kingdom view. And so I'm going to renew your mind with my word. This is why it's so important that we are reading the Bible. Now, as a believer, you understand the Bible now far more than you did when you were reading it, not saved. And when you become a seeker, he says, ask, knock, and seek. You got to want it. It's just not going to pop out and jump up on you. You got to want to want to know and to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's far more past that door of salvation. 
that will enable you and equip you to do what you need to do and go beyond. And not only that, but to hold on to what you just received when you got saved. Because if you're not learning and growing, you're not holding on to your salvation. You may have gotten saved one day, but because you are not growing, you are not still saved. Only what we do for God will last. Okay, don't think that you can have recited that prayer and it's going to hold you. That prayer gave you an entrance into some benefits and some principles that's going to hold you until Jesus comes back for you. It's more than just confessing, I believe Jesus. Because see, the real deal is, if you really believed when you said it, then you go to the next level of growth. Because you believe. You didn't just recite it. You believe what you were saying. So you want to know more and more and more. And it's never ending because we will never know all that we need to know until Jesus returns for us. Amen. So our righteous deeds point to God who saves by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Glory. The Holy Ghost is in us. He works in us and works through us. And he just renews himself in us. He's not stale. If, you, if you're growing in the things of God, you have passed some of the stuff that you acquired. So you don't stay a baby forever. That's why Paul said, come off, come off the milk. Start chewing on some meat. So you, what you learned a long time ago, let me tell you, I know personally for myself, what I was watching, looking, and receiving when I first got saved, don't impress me. I cannot watch it. So everything has a season, a time, and a purpose. Don't get hooked. See, because you, you all got me where I don't even want to tell you anything. If I see something on uh, TV from a minister and I tell you about it, I'm not necessarily telling you. I'm definitely not telling you. Because when I mean it and want it, I will tell you to follow that. But if I suggest something, and I've noticed people will watch it to see what I suggest, but then they become a follower. I'm like, oh, Jesus, I didn't tell you to follow that. Just take the nuggets and keep it moving. Because I have discovered that when I watch it more, I see some things. It's not quite right. And if you're not mature enough in Christ, you won't recognize. You'll just keep following what you feel, what you think sounds good and feel good. Well, it ain't about how we feel when we receive truth. See, that's our problem. We're all caught up in our emotions, in our flesh, and everything has got to just feel good. But everything that feels good isn't good, and it's definitely not good for you. It's what's empowering your thought to rise from here to there. What is changing some of the patterns that you've been following after, and now you've got a new awakening, and you're like, oh, my God. Now you know God is behind that. So you look, 
And watch with a discerning spirit. Because everything that talks about God is not saved. Everybody talks about God has become a generic word. But not everybody talk about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Because some people, some cults have the audacity to have included Jesus in their message to deceive you, to get caught up with them. But they don't believe Jesus is the Savior of the world. And it was by the cross that he saved us. And that he was buried and rose on the third day that rises us up from the pit of hell and from sin and death. They don't believe that. They just think it, Jesus, to them, is a generic word, too. But they use it so when, when, when they're out evangelizing like we're not, <laughs> the, to draw you in, and you're like, oh, you know, they believe in Jesus, too, now, you know. Yeah, yeah right. Well, if they believed in Jesus, then how come they haven't rose up from a sinful lifestyle. What I did before Christ, that's labeled as sin, but at that time I didn't know I was a great sinner. I have no desires to do this after Christ. That's the difference. Okay? All those things that I did, oh, it's okay, it's fine. Oh, it makes me feel good, da-da-da-da-da-da. No, 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 no. When Jesus came into my heart, he changed that thought pattern. And now I don't agree with that. So if I don't agree with it for me, why I'm going to supply other people with it? You do those things that really, oh God, promotes who you are living for and standing for. You don't flip-flop. Oh, well, then it's okay because God understands. He understands that you are a sinner and you don't understand it. That's what he understands. Okay, I'm going to read out of my Bible about regeneration in case I don't have a clear understanding. It says, regeneration refers to the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why it's important that we are infilled with the Holy Spirit. Not just where he came into our heart as salvation. The infilling now begins to work on your soul. And that's called regeneration. Okay? It says, um, in the salvation experience that produces new life in the believer. I'm, uh, I'm, okay, let me read it again because I don't want to break it up and it don't make sense to you. Regeneration refers to the work of the Holy Spirit in the salvation experience that produces new life in the believer. To express this concept, Jesus used the expression born again. Remember when he was talking to Nicodemus? In his conversation with Nicodemus, John 3, 3, 7, the, uh, Nicodemus was a Pharisee, but he wasn't saved, and he needed to be born again, but he was teaching scripture. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? <laughs> okay, regeneration is the work of God through the Holy Spirit, a placing in one who has faith in a new nature capable of doing God's will. The Holy Spirit is the agent or divine workman of this regeneration. His instrument is the Bible, <laughs> which is likened to a hammer <laughs> that judges sin. 
Do you see why we need to be in the Bible? You can't just depend on Bible teachers and pastors. And, and what's the, the scripture that supports that is Jeremiah 23, 29. It's a mirror, mirror that reveals sin. So when you look in the mirror, you're going to see a true reflection. I don't know about you, but there's some days I look in the mirror, I'm like, ooh, you just messed up today. And then there's some days I look in the mirror like, oh, the Lord is all over you. You don't look the same. So stop looking in the mirror to, 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 just to see makeup or to shave. Look in the mirror and look at your eyes. Your eyes is the telltale of it all. Come on. Let me tell you, if your eyes isn't smiling, none of this is. A whole lot is determined by those eyes. Okay? James 1.23 supports that. It's a sword that defeats Satan. Hebrews 4.12, remember a two-edged sword? It cuts. You know how it's defeating Satan? Because it's cutting you. It's separating the mess in you from the goodness that God has put in you. The sword comes in. Your spirit was saved. Your soul is still bound. So the word of God is like a sword that comes in and separate and divide spirit from soul so your soul can get delivered and come up to the point where, where the heart is, the spirit is. It separates and divides. When it does that, it annihilates Satan. So one thing has been removed that Satan can't work on anymore, and then God replaces that empty void with one of his fruit. Then he's then you read a little bit more and you get cut again. Cut. <laughs> and then he gets rid of that other stuff. Satan has no more power in that particular part of your life. And then he put one of the fruit of him in there. You know what the problem is? Is that we don't want to be cut. And how I know we don't want to be cut? Because even when talking, and I bring something up that is not quite quite right, your facial expression lets me know I'm not interested in that. Or here she goes again. Well, now, yes, I am going to go again and again and again and again and again. And the only way that I will stop going again and again and again is that the Lord moves me out of this position because there's no such word as retiring from ministry. Because even if I'm no longer the pastor, I still be in ministry and my speech and my feelings will not change. Okay, let me finish reading about regeneration. It says that it's a lamp that guides the believers. Psalms 119-105. People are instantaneously born again the moment they trust God as Savior. But the application, Christians should be careful to cooperate with God and growing as children of God after they are regenerated or given new life. So you see, it does not stop with, yeah, I, I'm saved. I confess the Lord. Okay, you did one day. But are you confessing him today just by your life, not by your lips, 
just by your life and then sometimes by your lips. That means that the people who knew you before ought to recognize you are not the same. And plus, they will either begin to question what happened or cut themselves away from you. One of the two is going to happen. And so they question what has happened. That is your open door to begin to minister to them the gift of salvation. Family members probably won't cut away as much. They just won't be around as much as they used to. But you have an obligation because God told them in the book of Acts to start in Jerusalem first before you start going anywhere else. So you need to start ministering at home to your family members about who Jesus is when you know good and well they're not saved. Don't tell me about the church they're attending. Because church don't change our habits. When our souls, our spirits haven't been changed. Church is just another little outlet. And then providing on what church you're going to, your spirit may be saved, but your soul may never get changed because they want to make you feel good and be happy. So you're never going to be challenged with a truth that's going to cause you to look inwardly, even with the, with the music. You forget that you're in church and you start partying because of how and what they've done with the music. That's why the Lord told me to do what I do, okay? And he opened the door because I never would have done it. If he hadn't opened those doors for me, so now if you don't do it, you, you're in big time trouble. Before I had the excuses, I didn't know, I didn't realize, <laughs> but not anymore. We need to get over our little clay selves and recognize life is far greater than me. And as long as I have the truth, the light, and the way, I need to be letting it just glow through me so that others will want to come to know him. Him, not church organization, not church protocol, not church activities, but him, because that's what's going to save me. And if I have to have gimmicks, to draw you in, you're not in, number one. And number two, I'm going to have to answer to God. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. Not those activities, not that food you in there cooking. Okay, um, okay, I think I've finished regeneration. So, <laughs> you know, oh, today is Ash Wednesday. See, this is a good example about doing good deeds and being righteous this day. Anybody wants to celebrate it, that's their business. I don't have no problems with what you do. But what you need to realize, Ash Wednesday and this Lenten season are good deeds and not biblical sacrifices to obtain salvation. 
we do not need to prepare for what has taken place already. And it's for eternity. When it happened the one time, it's for eternity. So every Lenten season as we prepare for, this, for that season, you need to recognize and you need to know what has already taken place and understand it. Dive deeper into the scriptures to understand the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And then pass it down to your children, your grands, and your great-grandchildren so we can stop worshiping days that won't make a difference and is not going to change you. Plus, you need to understand who was the original Arthur of Ash Wednesday. What religion? Catholicism. Okay? And what's amazing is that people wait for Lent to make a sacrifice. So, no, what are you sacrificing for? Jesus has already done the work, number one. Number two, your sacrifice is going to do what? For others. Number three, generally what they're sacrificing is what they shouldn't have been doing in the first place. I'm not going to smoke. Not going to drink. I'm giving up chocolate. I'm not going to watch this program for 40 days. See, if your motive was right and you're giving it up because, God, I know it isn't right and I'm sick of it, you'll be delivered after the 40 days. But because the motive is wrong and it's all selfishness, when the 40 days is over, would you back in the swing of everything? That's the key. There is no purpose. It is a religious, church, doctrinal holiday and time that does nothing for your salvation and your growth in Jesus Christ. Now, if you're going to go on a fast because God is leading you on a fast, that's fine because he's doing it to set you free, to open up your eyes and see what you have not been able to see. That's what you need to be fasting for. God, help me to see what I'm having a hard time to embrace, but I keep hearing it over and over and over again, but why can't I get it? We are preparing to celebrate what happened at Easter, and I don't like that word, Resurrection Sunday, because there's some, some religions that doing uh, Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday and stuff, uh, they got the altars all dressed in black and purple. They're mourning. First of all, <laughs> you're mourning about Jesus dying for your behind to set you free. What are you mourning about? You need to be rejoicing because he didn't die in the first place. He conquered death. That was the whole purpose of doing that, to conquer death and sin, and then to go down in hell. He was buried so he can go down in hell and take the keys back from Satan and then rise up with power and a new being. And you're mourning? Like, oh, God, Jesus died. Oh, that's so awful. No, what's awful is that your butt didn't die because we're the ones who needed to be on that cross. And stop all that religious stuff. And coming to a truth of understanding. God ain't calling for religious people. 
He's calling for spiritual people. And spiritual people are able to hear the truth, receive the truth, embrace the truth, and then act out on the truth. Your religion is what makes you get upset, bound, and not change. And keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. And the moment it is brought out, now you're angry and upset. So what's the power behind that? What's the power behind that? You better check who your God is. Because if your God is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Yahweh, the Messiah, you wouldn't be angry. You would be praising God for the awakening, for the change. You're angry because you probably ain't saved. You're churched. False teachers. Um, which is in verses uh, 9 through 11, really. It says that um, base their heresy on genealogy and speculation of the Mosaic law. Now, I want you to think about something. If you've ever had anybody who's always trying to take you through the Bible through a way of race, that's genealogy of race and how you being mistreated as a black person and all of that stuff. That's heresy. That's a heretic. Because false teachers base their heresy on genealogies and speculation of the Mosaic law. All of that is wrong. First of all, the Mosaic law, God says that grace allow you to overcome the law. The other is, he, Jesus says that there is neither male nor female, Greek or Jew, which means in his sight there is a spirit and a soul. That's why we need to be working on our soul to keep our spirit with him and stop focusing on these outward appearances that are going to decay and go to hell back where it came from. So you can be proud about all that dumb stuff that you want, but it is not going to take you to the kingdom of God. Nor is it going to allow you to accomplish what you need to accomplish on this side. Because you're, you're just really miserable because your point of view is never going to stand up anyway. Because with that kind of theory, you need a whole bunch of people with you to get that theory where people start moving on it. And then, then in, um, um, in, in, in verse 11, I'm going to come back to the others, but in verse 11, it says, Knowing that he that is such is, a, is divisive and sinneth, being condemned of himself, being condemned of, his, of, of, of himself, it, it just means that they were once, or they knew the truth, but they refused to operate in it. Now, why would somebody know the truth but refuse to operate in it? That's because you're too willingly to persist in sin, and sin feels good to you. But not to a regenerate person. Sin brings deep conviction and makes you uncomfortable. Okay? So, okay, Paul tells them about what they need to do 
uh, concerning these people, which is very interested, interesting. He, in, in, uh, in verse 10, he says, correct them at least twice. Give them the opportunity to come into the knowledge of truth at least twice. After that, exclude them from the fellowship. Why? You don't want them to contaminate other folks. Okay? You heard the saying, one bad apple. Mm-hmm. Okay. You, you, have you ever paid any attention to see how these people with this heresy look for people to project their beliefs on? They actually look and come up and start their talking. Now, a person or a believer with God's truth speak only uh, about salvation, and they look for the open door to share Jesus. They're not looking around to see who they think they can have this good conversation with. Because you're not even interested in having no conversation. You're really interested in them hearing the truth and get saved. But not to converse. Amen? So it is easier to sin and feel good, or so you think, <laughs> than to work at being righteous and flee lustful sin. Any sin that makes you feel good, which is deceitful, is lustful. So when you heard that, I'm not, I'm not speaking about sex alone. And really, that's not the primary thing with me is the sex. The primary thing is just your lustful desires. Because first of all, if, if you didn't have lustful desires, you wouldn't get into sexual sin. Everything starts here be before it becomes an outward expression. Okay? So any sin that goes against the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is, it's lustful because what you're doing is you're holding on to some stuff that does not go alone and agree with God. So think about it. Because while you're looking at some sexual perverted people and you think and they're operating in, in, in lustful sin, you too may be operating in lustful sin as you try to cover up your flaws and keep them hidden and have, have excuses for them all the time. Ah, lustful. <laughs> 12 to 15, we see that Paul always in his gospels with a salutation and edification. Amen. And so what he's letting them know here that Christians should not be unfruitful, but meeting the urgent needs of others. And Christian actions are a badge of faith to the watchful world bearing witness to Christ's transforming work in his or her's life. I will read this again. <laughs> Christian's actions are a badge of faith to the watchful world bearing witness to Christ's transforming work and his or hers life. More is caught than taught. So you, that's why you need to be working on your own salvation, he says, with fear and trembling. Okay? Because it would be obvious to anyone when you are living in Christ and not just talking 
about it sometimes because some Christians don't ever talk about it. Church functions or activities do not have the power to do that. They can only entertain you, but not transform you. The Bible says, be ye in Christ. And only what you do for Christ will last. Amen. The end. Praise the Lord, right on time. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. You know, it's really important that we are honest with ourselves. Because when you're not honest with you, you're dishonest with God. So you think because you're having these little secret things going on inside that nobody else knows about it, or so you think. Because <laughs> there is a gift called discernment. And God allows us to operate when it's needed. But the Lord knows what's in your heart and the motive for what you do. And he's the one that will make the determination about where your future is going to be. So don't let churches, buildings, that's what they are, be the determining factor of how you're going to walk the rest of your days until Jesus comes back or you leave and go be with him. Because if you let those things be the determining factor and you leave before he comes back, you may not go to heaven. To recite that prayer is not the key. Remember it says, if you believe in your heart and then confess with your mouth, not confess with your mouth and then believe. So if you truly believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and he went to the cross to save you, then why aren't you seeking God on how you could be better than what you are? Why have you settled to accept? I hear people say, well, this is how I've been all my life. And your point is? <laughs> it's time for a change. Don't you know the fact that we're still here and we've been like this all our lives is called mercy? He's having pity on you and allowing you time to make a decision to change, to stop all of that. Don't think because you made that confession and your name is on somebody's membership roster at a building, you have arrived. God is going to come back and ask you at judgment time, what did you do with the knowledge that I put before you? Who did you help? What did you change? Why did you stay somewhere that I made you uncomfortable, but you continue to stay because that's all you ever know. 
when I make you uncomfortable, that's because I have another plan for you in order to reach souls or to help souls who are struggling to be free and delivered. Whatever talent or gift that God has given us, it is not to glorify us. It's to glorify Him. And if people are not moved, affected, and changed, it's not glorifying Him. It's just glorifying you. And God didn't put us here to glorify ourselves. He wants Him to be glorified through us. So when people look at us, they need to be seeing Him. And not who you think you are. Because First of all, since you don't know who your Savior is, you don't have a clue about who you are. You only think you know yourself. You don't know you. You can only know yourself. What he says, love me with all everything that's in you. And then love your neighbor as yourself. So first of all, you got to love the Lord. Once you love the Lord like he tells us to, then you get to know and love yourself. And if you can love yourself, then you can love your neighbor. You can't love somebody else when you can't even love you. And you can't love you if you don't love him. And we love him because he first loved us. Amen. So it's time for we, the believers, to make a true confession and to accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. And as a Savior means it's not just to go to heaven. Because if you haven't learned how he can save you now, you won't know anything about heaven. He saves us now. And you just got born again or saved to go to heaven? That's not a guarantee until you learn how you were to be able to overcome here on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to give you something that is so slight and, and minute, but just to show you how he wants us to lean and depend on him for every little thing. Okay. I got through preparing the message a little bit earlier, so I'm like, I can just slowly take my time and get dressed, only to find out... Matt couldn't find his wallet. So I, I realized now God knew that. So that gave me some time to help him look for his wallet, which he couldn't find. The garage, the car, everywhere. So I'm like, God help us. So then I started to get ready. And he put in my spirit, tell him to check the basement. And I told him, and he went down in the basement, and there was his wallet. I'm like, praise you, Jesus. That's salvation. He saved us from fretting the word, because all I could think about, all of your credit cards, all of your identification, medical, all of that, okay. He saved us from fretting and worrying all day long by leading and guiding us in the way because I had sense enough to ask for some help. I think there's somewhere in the Bible that says if you lose something, you can ask him, he'll lead you to it. 
okay? When you depend on him and trust him, that's salvation. He will show himself strong to those who believe him, who love him. He, what did he say? For those who love me and call to my purpose, all things work together for your good. You know what the good is? It's to, to know he cares about every little thing. And so there's nothing too small that I can't ask him that he won't show himself strong in my life. And I pray that you got the same message. Depend and trust on God in everything, not on those certain, certain things, because we don't have sense enough to know which things are most important that we need to trust him with. So how are you going to have certain things to depend on him? Just the things that you think you can conquer and you can do? Because let me tell you, if he gave you a thought, don't let me put it this way, if you had a thought that wasn't wicked, he gave it to you. So if you had a good thought, it's because of him. And all them other thoughts came from Satan. But when you learn to trust him, depend on him, and repent, continuously to your character lines up with what he says you are and stop going around feeling sorry for yourself I'm sick of it God don't walk operate and he's not moved by tears and fear he's moved by faith and praise so you can walk around feeling sorry and, and getting with your posse, talking about what has happened and all of that, all you want to, but ain't nothing going to change in your behind, and you're going to bust hell wide open. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation. This is not for uh, those who don't know the Lord. This is for us. Lord, open us up to hear, to receive, to come up out of our ways and recognize you are our Savior, the author and the finisher of our faith. Do not let us be deceived any longer, living half-heartedly, acting like we're one thing when in fact we know deep inside we are messed up. We ask you to come in to our inner parts Search our hearts, then reveal it to us so that we can become sorrowful and confess it to you and begin to move and walk and flow in the Holy Spirit. Rearrange us, purge us, cleanse us, cut out, burn out all that is not glorifying you. We are ready to be righteous, regenerated souls for the kingdom of God. And we want, when people walk in, to feel your presence, feel your power that will cause them to either change or exit. So have your way on us, Lord. All of us, have your way. Do a new thing in our hearts. Give us hearts of flesh. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you 
and give you peace. Traveling mercies as you depart from this place. And remember, tell somebody about Jesus. Amen.